Welcome to Our Certain Point of View, where your hosts, Jim and Tim, will bring you new weekly discussions about the Star Wars universe. Our Certain Point of View is a fan-based podcast and has no connections with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very, very exciting episode of Our Certain Point of View. I'm Jim. Hello there. I'm Tim. General Kenobi. Yeah. yeah. Why Coming is it so... to a streaming service near you, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, what's so special about this podcast? Anything big going on? In the original format of the release of The Mandalorians to talk about The Book of Boba Fett. The Book of Boba Fett came out? Today. And what is 3 today, 3 a.m. Eastern Time, December 29th. Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, or excuse me, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday, December 29th. Came out at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, which was a midnight release on the West Coast. And uh, what was it like? A, what would that be in England? It's 3 a.m. here. I think it's a five hour, five to six hour difference, if I'm not mistaken. So they had they were at work when this got uh, released. Ah, poor guys. But the Australia crew, I was watching it on on some of the fan sites. Like the Australia guys, I think they're just now getting to watch it. So, because they don't release at the same time, apparently, or maybe they do. I don't know. I, don't I was about to pause it because I thought you were gone. Nope, here I am. <laughs> I was just thinking, but I don't know. Oh, it's so confusing trying to figure out what time it is uh, if you live like on the East Coast of the United States like we do, trying to figure out what time it is in New Zealand or Australia. Um, yeah, so anyway, let's talk about, what are we talking about? What We're happened? The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 1. The Book of Boba Fett, so this was our Finally. next huge, yeah, this was our next huge uh, Star Wars uh, milestone, um, the second live action TV series for uh, Star Wars. So, and largely done by a lot of the same people who gave us the first live-action series, The Mandalorian. And I think that that was obvious in the production value and, um, and well, everything. The directing, the music, the, the writing. But we'll get into how we felt about these things. I figure we're going to start today's episode off with some just kind of generic non-spoiler. What did you think about Book of Boba Fett? And then uh, later we'll say, all right, spoiler time, and then break it down. But first... Yeah? News? The news, there it is. Um, Only real piece of news that I have right now um, is that... And I, I don't know if we talked about this last episode or not. Um, but IDW has been printing the all-ages comic books for Star Wars uh, for the last few years. Their contract has expired and is not being renewed uh, with Disney and Marvel. So Dark Horse, who used to do the Star Wars comics way back when, um, is picking up the contract and will take over in January. So, um, there you go. For the main comic books that we typically review and run um it's been the marvel comic books not the dark horse um and the idw all ages they were they were good books the stories were were good and fine um i'm uh 
I'm open for a little more out of Dark Horse. And, uh, you know, we'll see what they bring. And maybe that'll <laughs> yeah. show up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I got, I, I just, my brain is skipping ahead. And I was thinking, because I'm looking at the show notes that you put down. And I got very, very distracted. That So all of those weird noises I just made was not related to your topic. And so I'm very sorry about that, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, all right, we're done. Shut up, talk stuff about cowboys. Yeah, I realized after I did it how rude that sounded. <laughs> like, wait, no, no, because I was literally that far down my own rabbit hole of thoughts as I looked Podcast at our show is notes. Over. <laughs> Forever, irreconcilable. Uh, yeah. Oh well. So, that's really all the news that I have. Um, the next big section of our uh, of our events here are, are countdowns, and mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, there's not a lot listed here. I know no. there are some books coming out. Um, that was one of the things that I was kind of like thinking about. I'm like, wait a minute, are we just is the High Republic book out, and we just aren't talking about it? Did the, the third next, one come out? The third next adult High Republic one? book comes out in less than a week. Oh, so it's not um, on the list. It comes out Tuesday. I am not putting it's. I'm not putting very high hopes in it right now. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not really up for prioritizing it myself. So I I will get it, I think, and read it. Um, <clears throat> there's a good chance that you know, Geo's going to be around. So. <laughs> well, can't miss a minute of his action. Um, it's really funny because I read an article not long ago about Geode and the, you know, the the polarizing of the of the fan base. Some people love him and some people hate him. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> you can't. Well, I mean, I love him. Uh, he's amazing. <laughs> he was put so the IDW uh, High Republic Adventures book. The is, is this going to be like book. a Hayden Christian? I'm sorry. But I'm like, is this a Hayden Christensen thing? I mean, are we like, well, it's not really Geode, it's the writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he comes across as kind of stiff <laughs> and, and, and kind of like stone, but it's the writing. The, I mean, Geode himself is amazing. Yeah. That's actually kind of stiff. That was actually true about Hayden. He actually is good It's the writing, with, but <clears throat> Geode... That character it's might. Um, wait, wait, wait! Here comes a ge- ge- geology pun. They gave that character real... might be flawed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he's a rock. If you don't know what we're talking about, he is. And they gave an image to that um, in IDW uh, High Adventure uh, High Republic Adventures book um, earlier this month, and we get to see him in just his. He's a force-wielding like rock. A, he's like a slab of rock. <laughs> so he's not even like a... He doesn't even have like a natural, like... You know, I expected like a a taller, um, almost like a boulder. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, yeah. Like okay. almost like you could chisel a person out of it. But no, he's um, a slab of rock. This is a... Uh, this is great. Yeah, this is... um Yeah. Um, so anyway, <laughs> this is kind of messed up the higher public for me a little bit. Um, yeah, it, yeah, more than most other things. 
So overall, the, the, the basic story is Claudia Gray is writing The Fallen Star, which comes out in six days. Um, I do want to read it. I am interested in what's going on. Um, Claudia Gray does a, a good job of writing books for Star Wars, tells a good story for Star Wars, has a tendency to add one piece to each book that she writes that I don't enjoy being in Star Wars. I don't think it belongs. Um, He's talking about the naughty bits. I am. And I, don't, I just don't like it. Um, and it's the, yeah. only, the only place that yeah. I see it in Star Wars is in her books, and I, yeah. I don't enjoy that. Yeah. Um, so I wish that wasn't there, but maybe it won't be. Maybe I'll be okay with this. This book is called The Fallen Star, and uh, there are a few others coming out. There's, uh, what is it, Mission Mission in Disaster, I think is a High Republic book coming out, uh, Midnight Horizon, and then we do have uh, Star Wars Brotherhood, but that's not coming out until May. Um I think it's May. That's an Obi-Wan and Anakin book. And if you haven't read the Obi-Wan and Anakin books of Legends, um, I haven't. they're Have I? really fun. They're all younger books for the most part, but they're okay. really good. And uh, that one I'm pretty excited about. There's something called Shadow of the Sith. I don't know when that's coming out. That's that's a new one for me. So there are some things coming out, but um, we just don't have the books specifically listed. And honestly, Brotherhood's going to be added to the list with the Obi-Wan Anakin. I'm pretty excited about that. But the High Republic just haven't really dug in with us here at uh, at yeah. our certain point of view. Yeah, they're not, a chord. Yeah, they're not, they're not <clears throat> bad stories, but they just haven't really caught us. Um, but, of course, we do have Obi-Wan coming out. The Andor series is coming out. And Mandalorian Season 3 will be coming out. Um, we don't have dates on those coming out, which is why yeah. they're not on our countdown. So that's kind of slowed our countdowns up a bit. Um, that's slowed them up. And yet we still talked about countdowns for longer than we usually do. So, Yeah, with only two, and we haven't done either of them. Book of Boba Fett comes out in how many days? Today! Today! Yeah. It's out! Did you know? I did. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. Um, and then we've got Celebration in 148 days. That's actually not long. That's kind of scary how fast that whittles down. So that's Thursday, May 26th, uh, Celebration 2022. Although, I'll tell you the truth, if you've been watching the news, uh, the COVID numbers, they're spiking again. They're as high as they've ever been. Um, what's weird for me is... So if you look at just the, the data, and everybody debates on how reliable the, the data is, there's unfortunately a lot of politics in, on both sides now, but I'm just like looking at the numbers, and so the first spike supposedly hit where we live, um, shoot, last, I don't know, sometime last year, um, no, but like last summer, not this past one, but... Am I getting this right? But bottom line is, um, so those numbers then went down. They dropped off really low, and then these variants came out. And then I was looking at the uh, the numbers uh, here lately because my in-laws were supposed to go traveling, and the airlines are shutting everything down. And I'm like, I mean, I kind of distanced myself from the news because of, uh, you know, holiday break and all, but... Um, yeah, this is kind of crazy. So I look at the numbers, and what I was going to say is what's different about this time is uh, two people I know have passed away from this in the last three months. So this is this is really starting to hit home. I'm like, this is kind of terrifying. But, yeah, so something to be aware of. Those numbers are going up, which means the whole celebration thing might not happen. Um, 
Because that's what happened to the last one. We haven't had one since COVID, have we? No. We haven't. Yeah. Um, well, also, what was it, Monday? I think Monday, the CDC changed its recommendations for... Distancing. Not for distancing, for... Um, oh, for time. Quarantine days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Test yeah, positive, from... you have to quarantine for just five days, and after, five, after days. five days, you're not showing symptoms, you're good to go. Huh. Yeah, Which that's is, that's interesting. It seems counter to... I don't know, everything. Th- th- that's so, what I mean about there's, there's, there's craziness on both sides of this, like... People want to act like there isn't contradicting information, like their side is is right and easily provably correct, and, and, you know, one side might have a strong argument that the other side does have a strong argument, interpret that however you want, but my point is, there is definitely compelling contradictions here, um, you know, where they're like saying, okay, it's worse, um, yeah, but you know, you should be able to travel and you only have quarantine for five days. It's like, but <laughs> it's worse. Like, uh, okay. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. But and it makes it hard to tell, you know, you talked about the, it's politics. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, there is a difference between the death rate of people infected with COVID or, and people who died because of complications due to covid yep you know and so both of the people i know who passed yeah uh one of them was elderly and had a lot of um a lot of health issues going into it uh the other one though was just shy of 50 and i don't know how many health issues it was someone i went to high school with and hadn't talked in a long time so i don't know maybe something else was going on there but it was kind of crazy. Yeah. That's always hard to know. You know, when you look at the death rates, they are people who have died after a positive COVID test. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's really what we're talking about versus people who catch it and have some complication based on it. Um, and it's it's just hard to know what to do with the with the information that's out there. Yeah. It's hard to know There's what's safe and what's not. a lot of information. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the information, like you said... Is, is contradictory. So be safe. Yeah. Keep those around you safe. And Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a tough old world. It's a good thing we've got uh, Book of Boba Fett to talk about. And you know what else makes life good? Music. You know where is the best place to go to listen to music? Uh, Q. What, I, I do. It's... Uh... From our good friend Gordon. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I was I was trying to you know slow pitch that in there for you. And... I was gonna pretend to name a radio station like Q one oh who knows what, and uh, then yeah, realize that R Z Q whatever. But I don't want to accidentally. Uh, it's W R I F station. The riff. Right. There you go. W R I F F. So yeah, let's let's take a moment to hear from our friend Gordon over at the riff. And when we come back, we'll be very much less depressing, and we're going to start talking Boba Fett. So here's Gordon. Yeah. 
Hey, this is Gordon from the Riff Radio Show podcast, a radio show dedicated to the music of Generation X. We release a new show every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and we play music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we take your requests. And unlike the old days when you had to wait forever to get your request on your favorite radio show, I always put your request on our Saturday morning all-request episode. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes of any episode and request a song. The Riff is only available on Spotify, so head on over today and subscribe. The Riff, only on Spotify. All right, and that was Gordon, available only on Spotify with The Riff. I was watching his TikToks the other day, um, well, actually today. Uh, he was talking about uh, all on his TikTok channel. He, his marketing strategy is really interesting, and it's been very successful, um, but he was talking about on TikTok, he puts, it'll be like, here's for, so the number one most requested uh, 80s song of last year was Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears. And I realized when I started the sentence, because I started it in the middle of another sentence, whenever I do that, it sounds like I've edited myself when I go back and re-listen to the show. But no, the, there's no edit there. That was really me in the middle of a sentence suddenly going, and then 1980, the hit song. Anyway, so <clears throat> Gordon, you know, specialized in music from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and everybody wants to rule the world, most requested song. So he does this these TikTok videos where it's just like that song playing, or Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds from Edinburgh, Scotland, um, and it's just him walking around his kitchen drinking coffee, and he gets all these likes. <laughs> And then people start subscribing to his uh, podcast. It's awesome. The guy's yep. the guy's awesome. I'm a, I'm a fan. Me too. But you know what? As awesome as Gordon is, he's no Boba Fett. Fair enough. Are we ready? Is it time? We're ready. I think it's time. All right. So non-spoiler part. Bottom line. First episode of the much, much, much anticipated show, Book of Boba Fett. How did you rate it? Um, Looking out of open. nine. Out of? Nine, 9.5. Out of? I had a 10. Oh, okay. Good. I didn't know. You get tricky with numbers sometimes. Because nine's a prime number. and that's, that's Nine is not a prime number. See? That's tricky. I don't know what you mean by that. Nine out of ten, nine point five out of ten. That's that's where I would have put it at maybe a eight point five to nine out of ten. Yeah. Um. um so for me, which overall, means very very satisfied. Yeah, I I pretty much uh, loved every moment of it, and the way that it ended left me wanting to come back and get more of the story. Absolutely, um, it did its, its job. Intro to the series. It made yeah. me excited about Star Wars again. It yes. Now, if you feel like I'm being stingy about my points when I'm like, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home was uh, was an 8.5 or 9 out of 10 for me, and then so is this Book of Boba Fett episode. Um, to give you an idea, the season finale of Mandalorian last season, that's a 10. Yeah, that's a 10. Um, so there are 10s out there. Mandalorian has more than one. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Uh, the Bill well, Burr Mayfield think... episode was a 10. <clears throat> and, and honestly, let me say it this way. This Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 1, 
is is borderline ten. I know that it's not going to be the best Book of Boba Fett episode. Well, for what it was doing today as an intro, and to answer the questions that we needed answered. Yeah, 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 it yeah. Did a spectacular job. I, I, yeah. So let's start. Let's. And get I want to say it this way. Let me let me put it this way too. One more thing, real quick. Yeah. With a, with a non-spoilery. Yeah. I'm going to say it did a Marvel level spectacular job. Um, yeah. And that's not placing you know Marvel beyond Star Wars, but the style of marvel tv shows in the last year that yes that in marvel style of this episode cohesion was, to story yes was yeah. beautiful so yep <clears throat> here we go we start off where do we start off where's the beginning of this episode uh with the meta Ugh. we meta. we usually start our reviews with meta it's been so long since we've done this right. i like when we talk meta I like so, what we're talking about it too. I told I, one of my favorite uh, podcasts um, after this one. No, um, one of my like is is that uh, Force Material podcast. That's that's all they do is meta. Um, their entire show is meta based. So anyway, all right, here we go. Yes, this episode, including credits, was uh, just shy of forty minutes. It was around thirty nine minutes. Yeah, um, thirty four, uh, thirty four fifty, I think, without credits. Without credits. Yeah. So, 34 minutes of content, which was a lot shorter than I would have expected for a premiere episode we've been waiting over a year for. But again, again, yeah. I think that with what they did in this episode, in the 34 minutes, and leaving it where they wanted to build into the second episode, yeah. I think if they'd added more, it would have been uh, almost yeah. filler and too much. It had a very organic ending point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's that's good. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good observation. All right, so further meta. Um, who wrote this? This was written by John Favreau. Oh my gosh, I know that guy. He's in uh, Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah, John Favreau was the writer um, and the executive producer. The other executive producer, uh, you may have heard of him. Uh, his name is Dave. Dave what? His name is Dave Filoni. Oh my gosh, I'm on a Dave Filoni fan cast. Yeah, it's called our certain point of view. I'm Jim. That's right. This is the Filoni Favreau fan cast right now. Hello there. Um, and the direction throughout was beautiful. And who directed this for us? Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Which we know him. Didn't he direct some Mandalorian episodes? He he did. I don't remember which ones. Oh, either. But I think that he did. Um, I do want to. While we're talking meta, of course, uh, Tamora Morrison. Um, who played Jango Fett in the uh, prequel trilogy is playing the Mandalor- is playing and in and played Boba Fett in Mandalorian is of course continuing his role as Boba Fett here, and we have Ming Na Wen playing the Master Assassin Fennec Shand. Shand. Um, I, I I love Tamora Morrison. It it just is a little bit distracting though how much he sounds like all the clones. <laughs> that's Star Wars humor. Did did you get it? That's some that's some good Star Wars humor. That's some good Star Wars because because the clones are based on Jango Fett who is played okay um, because what? he is one of them because he's literally yeah. one of the clones. I've seen your face a thousand times, and he'll be the last one you see. Yeah, remember that little little discussion between uh, uh, 
What's why can why am I keep forgetting her name? Cruz, Chris, Chris. Um, Satine's sister. According to, and I was just looking up to see what Robert Rodriguez, uh, directed. Yeah. And apparently he's listed, according to IMDb, he's listed as an executive producer for this show for all seven episodes. Okay. I mean, on this. That's, well, that. But that's not what the credits said, right? Well, the credits said he directed. I think it did also say he was also an executive producer. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I think if you get, yeah. Maybe I didn't watch this part of it. <sighs> so, here's my other question for you. Um, at what point does the Kathleen Kennedy... Yeah, she... By the way, he is credited in the episode as executive producer as well. Good. Okay. With Kathleen Kennedy, um, John Favreau, and uh, Dave Filoni. Uh, when did the Kathleen Kennedy era begin? So, the last season of Clone Wars... Was she Rebels? Was she all of Clone Wars? Because Clone Wars... No, Clone Wars was not a Disney property. No, Clone Wars started off on Cartoon Network. Yeah, that's right. So, what... So, Solo, Rogue One... I believe uh, she's been the only person Rebels, to hold her position since yeah. Disney took over. So, that's what I'm trying to figure out. What was the first Star Wars thing Disney did? They obviously did all the sequel movies. Yeah. So, so Last a, Jedi, Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, Solo, Rogue One. So Force um, Awakens and Rebels were first. Okay. And then the last season of Clone Wars, then Bad Batch. reason why I was thinking about this is Rebels because is awesome. I... Rebels is awesome. I get the... Uh, I'm always in these, uh, these Star Wars chats. And I got up at 4 a.m. and watched Boba Fett this morning. And because, you know... It, which meant I was only an hour behind anyone else who could have seen it on Earth. Um, so I was, I felt free to like check the chat boards and all that all day because I'd seen it. Um, so many people, without ever even watching it, were like, oh, it's Kathleen Kennedy, it's terrible. And then I started seeing where people write back, do you even know what an executive producer does? Like, do you know what Kathleen Kennedy does? Like, how much hands-on do you think she has with this compared to, say, you know, John Favreau, the writer? Um, Robert Rodriguez, the director in this case, um, and the, it very much felt like the life of Brian Skit, where the uh, Judean people's front is talking about how much they hate the Romans. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm talking about here? And the guy's like, "What have the Romans ever done for us?" And they're like, "The roads. What? They gave us the roads? Well, yeah, they did do the roads. Oh, and the sanitation. Yeah. Oh, and." Clean water. Oh, and the schools. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the the peace. Oh, yeah. And that's what this reminded me of because people are like, oh, Kathleen Kennedy's awful. And then, well, yeah, but I do like Rogue One. Well, yeah, Rogue One's good. Yeah, but she's awful. Well, I, I like Rebels. Well, yeah, Rebels is... Rebels is what? Rebels is awesome. Rebels is awesome. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't like Kathleen Kennedy. Well, Mandalorian's really good. Well, Mandalorian's amazing, but I don't like Kathleen Kennedy. I was like, you sound like that guy. Yeah, the ro- I mean, besides Solo, Rogue One, last season of Clone Wars, all of Rebels, all of the Mandalorian, and now Book of Boba Fett, what has she ever done for us? <laughs> the Bad Batch? Oh, shut up. 
That's what I feel like. I'm like, I, I don't have any hatred for this woman. I'm, I, I still have trepidation because I'm not a fan of the sequels. But The Mandalorian more than makes up for that in my book. And The Rebels more than makes up for that in my book. Um, so, heck, Rogue One ranks up there as the second best Star Wars movie ever for me. Well, and, you know, when it comes down to it, I, you know, some somebody wasn't wasn't. I think, I think individuals were given too much control rather than a group paying attention when the sequels were happening because they just got a little sloppy. Um, I think it's the big thing, you know, they just didn't. All the sequels are a nightmare. Stay but I mean, I uh, I I say I don't like the sequels. I think they're poorly written. That that is an opinion. I love the fact that people still love them. And honestly, I'm I don't I, I'm happy that they exist because I'm I'm of that I'm of that school of thought. I love Star Wars. I don't care. Yeah. I mean I love Star Wars. So yeah, I did not like The Last Jedi. But you know what? Other Star Wars fans did. Some even it's their favorite Star Wars because you know what? There's six billion people, almost seven billion people on this earth. We all like different things. It's okay. And you know what I we I think we should all agree on as a fan base, Star Wars is awesome. Star Wars is awesome. I mean, not a single Jedi in this episode. Hey, I'm segueing back in. Not a single Jedi in this episode. It's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I guess I'm done spouting about the meta. <laughs> so. So. Yeah. Um... I like to sniff when conversations get uh, awkward. You just kind of so. Uh, how's it going? Yeah, makes it uh, better, I suppose. Um, Robert Rodriguez was the director of the tragedy. Um, that's the only episode he directed for the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian episode, the tragedy, um, where we saw a great deal of action from one particular character. I'm trying to remember you know who that character is. Remember the episode of the tragedy? I don't. The tragedy is when they went to a planet for Grogu to reach out through the Force to find other Jedi. And Boba Fett makes his appearance. Boba Fett makes his appearance and tears it up. Yeah, he does. Beats him um, up some uh, stormtroopers with Fennec Shan. So that that we makes sense. The, we also lose the uh, spoiler if you haven't seen the episode, but we also lose the <laughs> Razor Crest that episode. Yeah, I think a dude was trolling this particular Star Wars site I was on because it was called it's the it's called like the Mandalorian and something else site, and a guy was like, "Book of Boba Fett's coming out today. Should I watch that show, The Mandalorian, first? Uh, yeah, I think it's a joke. Uh, yeah, I think he was trolling and people. <laughs> There's so many nice people out there that they're, and so many jerks. It was such an interesting mixture of humanity, and that some of them are like, "Oh yeah, you definitely want to go back and watch Mandalorian," you know, like being very nice and serious. And then other people are like, "You call yourself a fan? You're not a fan." I'm like, "Dude, he's trolling you," <laughs> and you're yeah, totally just walking it. into it. Either be nice or don't say anything. I mean, that's it's that easy. Either be like, "Well, maybe the guy really just." heard Star Wars is awesome and came on the site and yeah you know what dude you probably do want to watch Mandalorian yeah, just first. got Disney Plus and this show showed up but it's not the first show that Disney's released 
There's got to be people in this world that their introduction to Star Wars was literally today because a show called Book of Boba Fett's been talked about so much, so they decided to sit down and watch it, and that's their first introduction to Star Wars. There has to be someone on Earth like that. There could be somebody who enjoyed the original trilogy, didn't like episode one when it came out, and stopped watching Star Wars. It's it's the multiverse. I love the 77, 80, 83 original trilogy Star Wars. I love them. I love them. That's it. This other stuff started happening. I, I'm not interested. But yeah. when all of a sudden, the book of Boba Fett dropped. And they're yeah. like, oh, wait a minute, Boba Fett? Boba Fett? Where? Well, that's one of the interesting things about that podcast I talk about, about a, a lot. Boba Fett. Um, uh, Star Wars and characters. You got four different hosts, and they're all different kind of levels of Star Wars fans. And I kind of enjoy that about that show, is that you got a couple guys on there that are like pretty like die-hard like they're they're at every convention. They've got all these photographs, you know, everything or photograph autographed everything. And then you got like one guy who's like, ah, I like the the originals. <laughs> and like he's seen the other movies, but he doesn't know anything about them. He doesn't, you know, go like into the lore and stuff. And he's exactly the type of guy who is like, now book a Boba Fett, yeah, because that's that's a nod at Empire Strikes Back. Speaking of which. Well, speaking of more of, like, Return of the Jedi, where does this thing start off, Tim? Return of the Jedi? This no. This thing starts off... Well, yeah, um, yeah, yes, that too. Yeah. This thing starts off on a crazy ocean planet that we recently saw in a TV show called The Bad Batch. No, not quite. You jumped a little ahead. First, it, it, it... Yeah, it pans across... Um, What's actually gotten to be a familiar shot of Tatooine and Jabba's palace. And then it shows the empty halls. And then you go into this beautiful bedroom. And there's a Bacta tank in there. And that's your first hint that maybe things aren't right with Boba Fett. That he has to sleep in a Bacta tank. I thought that was interesting. Because I was doing the math. Boba Fett should should be around 45 to... 50 at this point in his life and the actor is 61 i want to say so i think they're using the whole tatooine ages people plus we're about to see what you know happened to him way back in the day um but he he sleeps in a back to tank but then while he's in the tank he dreams of that planet you just mentioned yeah, so we see Which, it here. We see Camino. So cool to see again. A um, little flash over Camino. We do see uh, Slave One out there. Yeah. Um, and it's very brief, and then that goes away. Because then we're on Geonosis. Yes. Um, and yeah. I thought this was a really interesting shot, and I didn't have a chance to go back to look at the show, but I don't ever remember it before. Yeah. What does oh, he do on Geonosis? What do you mean? What do we see him do on Geonosis? He picks up uh, Jango Fett's helmet. Yeah, he does. From the battlefield. Yeah, that's that's straight out of uh, Attack of the Clones, the movie. That scene. Yes, but yeah, what I didn't notice before. So, so it's little, it's little Boba Fett. If you don't remember what we're talking about, runs out onto the battlefield of Geonosis in the end of the movie, Attack of the Clones. And just picks up Jango Fett's helmet and kind of puts it against his forehead. So when he picks it up, 
if you look through the you know the the visor port for Boba Fett and Jango Fett and the Mandalorian helmets is you know across the eyes, but then also straight down the nose and mouth. Right, is all like part of a you know whatever some kind of visor, whatever they make it out of. Um, you can see through it to the ground. Yeah. Um, and that shot was very clear that there was no head in the helmet. <laughs> yeah, I think they did that on purpose. And I think that that was added in because I don't ever remember being able to see through the visor in Attack uh, of the Clones. I don't. I don't recall. Yeah, I just so I know, know the scene that... was straight out of Attack of the Clones, but I didn't remember. Um, because that was always it. We were like everyone always was thinking, "Oh, he just he just his picked head up his dad head <laughs> off the ground yeah. and was like, oh no, dad.' Right? Like, which I get the sadness of that, but. Yeah, it's really gross, right. too. Right. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I was trying to... Kind of trying to figure out. Um, and then it switches, it jumps ahead to the last time we'd seen him in the movies. Yes. Then yeah. He's trapped in the Sarlacc itself. Um, and people have been waiting since 1980... Since 1982? 80, when did Return of the Jedi come 1983. Out? So, people have been literally talking about this since 1983. Did Boba Fett die? Most people were like, no, he couldn't have because he became more and more of a legend. Um, just, you know, when we thought Star Wars had ended with Return of the Jedi, uh, you know, fan fiction, and then what became just fiction, Star Wars fiction... Had all these stories of a surviving Boba Fett, so nobody wanted him dead. So people have been waiting for this for 40 years almost. Oh, yeah. So we see him inside the belly of the Sarlacc. This was awesome. This was disturbing. This was gross. Um, yeah, it was, it, was pretty, uh, it was pretty rough in there. There was a, a lot going on. It was very detailed. Yeah, yeah. Um, overall. Especially because the first thing he sees, he's all. First of all, he's all covered in some form of acid that's like clearly not only eating away at his clothes, but it's getting inside his armor, and it starts to eat away at his skin. Yeah, well, he's going to be slowly digested over a thousand years. Yeah, which, according to Wikipedia, is because the sarlacc is able to keep you alive. It like puts you in a zombie state and like slowly feeds on you. I thought that was kind of cool. All right. Um, just so we know in, in advance here, and I know I've been a little slow to react to your other things because I was looking, you cannot see the ground through Django's helmet in episode two. Oh, interesting. I love having Disney Plus. Uh, yeah. Because I went and checked it out. Um, anyway, that's what I that's what I thought. Like, I thought we didn't know if his head was actually in there or not. Um, so, so, now we're in the Sarlacc <laughs> pit, though. Sl- yeah, we're in the Sarlacc pit. And so he sees a, a dead stormtrooper there. Yeah, that was so creepy. It reminded me of Death Troopers. The the book about zombie stormtroopers. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, but it reminds you that that the Sarlacc will keep you alive. Because there are no stormtroopers. Exactly. In Return of the Jedi. This guy it must have been there for a, at least a little while. Probably yeah. since the first time they went looking for Luke two movies back. Yeah, at some point, they yeah. went in, they saw Jabba, they were like, hey, 
you know, we need to know where this kid is. And he's like, get out of here. We don't deal with you. you know? Yeah. The guy talked back and Jabba was like, all right, go in here then. I'm so sure he's down that hole over there. Go check it out. This is another interesting thing I think is, is shown at this point because uh, Boba Fett's choking. And he needs to get to the, uh, the you know, incapacitated, hopefully dead for his sake, Stormtrooper. Yeah. Um, and he gets to the guy's armor and he pulls a breathing tube out of the neck of the Stormtrooper armor and puts it in his own. Um, because in the TV show Clone Wars, it shows that their armor is, they can wear it in outer space. So this is the first time in, like, movies we've seen Stormtrooper armor appear to have maybe that sort of capability. Yeah, but, air yeah. takes up more space than that, but but yeah. Well, what's really cool also about the uh, that scene, the stormtrooper armor, which is oftentimes criticized for not really having any protective value, the acid is slowly eating through that. There are holes in it from the acid, whereas not the Besker. Right. Yeah, but then he does the the really sweet once he gets the air from the uh, the trooper. Shoves his uh, his fist through part of the sarlacc's like stomach or something, and uh-huh. sets off the 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 flamethrower. The flamethrower. Um, now the only thing that I wish they would have done a little different here, and I know they're in a different galaxy, so it's a little bit different. Uh, but fire needs three things to operate: oxygen, so, heat, and fuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The spark, the fuel, and the and the oxygen. And I wish they would have made a point of him holding the hose. Ah, uh, the oxygen hose. When he lit it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's me being more picky than I need to be for a fantasy show. Um, well, then it comes, I think that's my only, that was the only point where I was like, oh, like they had the oxygen there yeah, and they could have used it to make it, you know, cause the oxygen wouldn't have filled up the, the, that whole giant stomach fast enough to be usable. So it's just, well, a, what about methane? Yeah, I mean, there could be some other kind of gas in there that was... I'll bet he's full of methane, man. Yeah, something else that could work. Something you can't um, breathe, but... You I know. just thought it would have been a neat... No, it's methane. I think you're wrong. <laughs> it would have been funny, though. It would have been very MacGyver if he had, like, combined that air hose. To I think methane door. still fits as the fuel source, not as the as the oxygen needed. Oh, that's quite true, actually. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It just would have been a neat, you know, use it to but breathe that, and then stick it through the hole and run your flamethrower. That's, it's it's picky. I would have liked it. In my mind, he's still holding the tube in his fist when he does it. Well, like, napalm catches fire whenever it contacts his oxygen molecules. So it doesn't have to be air. Like, it burns underwater because water is hydrogen-oxygen um, compound. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what he's shooting, but maybe it doesn't need oxygen in an, in an air component. Yeah, like like what you well, like. What we saying. can't I'm... breathe underwater, but napalm will burn underwater. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't kick anything out of the show for me. <laughs> I just think it would have been, huh? Neat. To well, do then there's more. the very cool, uh, you know, rising from the dead kind of symbology of the fist coming through the the, the sand, and then he crawls out. And you can tell this is a much humbled and weakened Boba Fett. Yeah. And he is gross. <laughs> he's got acid and goo just dripping off him. He's, he's, in a, uh, he's in a rough state here. 
Uh, well, like I said, later on, you can really tell Acid got into his suit because his skin is all, you know, messed up. He's, he's, uh, scars from head to toe. It looks like, um, he can barely move. And in fact, he collapses <sighs> and our little rapscallions make an appearance. So, so this is just... what we talked about uh, a year ago. Um, and we kind of thought here on the show that he'd make it out. But he'd be too weak to do anything, and the Jawas would, you know, just rip him off. Um, yep. Yeah, we totally and, nailed uh, that prediction. I was a little surprised that the Jawas just took his stuff and left him for dead. Unless they just assume this guy's not going to make it no matter what. I think the Jawas are terrible people. Um, I think that's why, and I think we're meant to feel that way, because otherwise we'd be really upset at Din Djarin for just, you know... <laughs> disappearing them because they were robbing his ship when nobody was there. Yeah, the Jawas seem like nasty little things. Yeah, they do. Um, and they didn't seem quite so bad before. Like, we saw them kind of Isn't that what C-3PO R2. says? C-3PO, who grew up on Tatooine, says nasty little creatures. I can't abide Jawas, I think he says. Yeah. Nasty little creatures. So, yes. Yeah, they, they, they not only leave him for dead, they knock him unconscious... And when he tries to stop him from taking his gear. Yeah. I think so we even uh, predicted they would be out there because, I mean, how could Jawa's, uh, you know, not try to get stuff out of uh, Jawa's sail barge? Right. Then we have a really cool scene. So the Jawa's rip him off. They show the iconic land crawler. And then it's daytime. And there's what appears to be kind of a sandstorm going on. Cool silhouettes. Because like them or not... The Tuscans seem pretty crude and rough and mean and horrible to me too, but oh, I kind of have really nasty. I, I kind of have a lot of respect for them though, and they do look just brutally tough in the scene as they come walking out of the desert. And when they un, when they find uh, Boba Fett, this is where he really does. He looks horrible. Oh, I yeah. mean, he's he's all he looks like Darth Vader, but with his limbs. But they do give him some sort of like food or something that wakes him up, and and you're like, are they gonna save him? And then he, they got him tied to a bantha, and they're just walking, and he's having to walk, and eventually get dragged across the desert. Right. But bear in mind, everything we're, we are talking about, this is still the cold open. Yeah, we're still there. Um, so this did a really good job. Like you see in movies where people get tied to a, you know, the back of a horse in a western or, um in this case, tied to banthas or tied to anything and, and be made to walk along. I thought they did a really good job of showing how horrible that can be. Yeah. Because um, you see it and you're like, well, the horses aren't walking that fast. This guy's just, he just has to walk there. Like, that's inconvenient, but, you know. Yeah. But walking through the desert. Um, yeah. The amount of time that they showed made it very clear they were traveling a decent distance. And 90% um, of your body covered in acid burns. Right. They showed him kind of, you know, his eyes went blurry and he blacked out and fell and got dragged. And then when he woke up, his vision was clear like they did. The The shots that they took here were beautiful. Yeah. They they um, did a lot with, uh, because this is all flashback. Because this, remember, this started, he was in his back to tank and he's he's remembering all this. Um, and they do play with the color a lot. I don't know if you noticed that. They play with yes. the color a lot to demonstrate that this is flashback. Yeah, and actually right at the end when he was laying there, when he first woke up and it was kind of clear again, yeah. he almost went to a, a 
like a grainy TV. Yep. Um, it was the way they kind of colored him to be like, hey, this is almost like he was a broken hologram um, is how they were showing the Star Wars style memory. So I thought that was neat, too. Yeah. Um, very creative, very unique use and and very strong way to show all the stuff that was happening. I thought this whole cold open was was a lot of the stuff we were looking for. Well, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, again, one of the biggest questions in Star Wars fandom is, did Boba Fett survive, and if so, how? And in the first seven minutes of the show, because that's how long the cold open is, we got that answer. And I love when shows do that. Like, I hate when they milk a secret. Lost was the worst about that, because I really liked Lost. But they would have a secret, and it would last for, like, six seasons or something. I'm exaggerating. But it it would get to the point where you're like, I'm not sure I remember what they're talking about. Um, it's not like so I love stuck wondering for yeah thirty some years. Um, yeah, they didn't. They didn't wait. They're like first seven minutes of the show. This is what everyone wants to know. How did he get out of the Sarlacc pit? Here it is. Well, and that was perfect because what we had was the Mandalorian, and so many people were like, "Why don't we know what happened to Boba Fett? Why don't we know what happened to Boba Fett?" Because like, it's not his show. Yeah, he's here. We know that he's here, but we we can't devote you know an entire season to his backstory. We have to make it. A whole series. He's um, a character. Yeah, but that's but that's what's going on. Is you know, we saw Boba Fett. Um, I'm sure that they were back and forth on whether they were going to release this and wanted to see fan reaction. I could I could imagine that. Like we're, you know, should we release this Boba Fett show? Should we release it? Let's see what happens when Boba Fett shows up. Yeah, you know, if the entire fandom was like, that's dumb. He's dead. We don't want to see any more Boba Fett. He's, you know, just an old bounty hunter or whatever. Like if that had been the reaction. Yeah, we might not have gotten Booga Boba Fett. Yeah, if uh, if Dingar had showed up. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the cold open. He wakes up, oh, and so than that, you know who else could have shown up? <coughs> uh, oh. oh gosh, why can't I think of his name? Oh no, not the, uh, not Quinlan Voss. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> from the Cantina. Who's our bounty hunter from the Cantina? Greedo died. Greedo, there you go. But he died. What if he showed up? I guess he could have survived. In, uh, in Legend, he was taken by the owner of the cantina and turned into a drink. Oh, All right, yeah. so so that was the beginning. They continue on. They they also give the name of the episode here. So it says Book of Boba Fett. Then it says it, it has the same stylization as the Mandalorian, where it'll just say in like kind of plain, you know, black screen, white text, uh, chapter one. Um, and this one is called Stranger in a Strange Land. But Mandalorian didn't give us titles. This one gave us a title. Um, right? Mandalorian just said chapter one, I think. I don't know. We always had titles. Where did oh, we, we did have titles. From? But did they do it right here? I guess they did. I think they did, yeah. So, they then did. we I'll get back to camp. Anyway. Um, he's tied up. He's being abused by the, uh, Tuscan children. Yes. Um, this... So that, that's... Go ahead. This is very similar to a Native American custom. Um, the the Chief Shawnee uh, Tecumseh talked about this a lot, about how men would refrain from doing this sort of thing, but the children would, would do this. They would... This is weird how much this does remind me of the Native Americans. This is why I'm like, I have a lot of respect for the Tuscan Raiders, because I think they did try to incorporate a Native kind of aspect to them. I mean, they are the indigenous people. Um, but bottom line is he's sitting there by the fire. We find out that they've got a red Rodian 
And my daughter's like, have we ever no. seen a red Rodian before? And I'm well, like, we don't hey. have the red Rodian just yet. So first they have the, the this beating of him happening at the beginning. Yeah. And then one of them knocks him out. Yeah, kid stomps on his face and knocks him unconscious. But we don't see the Rodian until he wakes up. Yeah, he wakes up and it appears they've got a second prisoner now. And our guy Boba's got a plan, and there's this dog creature. We saw those in Attack of the Clones. Cause, yeah, the uh, mass, Massif, I think is what they're called. Yep, Mastiff, I think, like the dog Mastiffs. But um, well, we saw Anakin kill a couple in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it's Massif, M-A-S-S-I-F-F. Okay, so they just took the T out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so this thing's staring at him. I loved this move. He's trying to get his uh, bonds open. And really, he's kind of luring the, the dog thing in. So when the Massive attacks him, he then actually chokes it out using his bonds and then uses the thing's teeth to cut his ropes. I thought that was so cool. And yeah, then well, tell... beyond that, throughout, throughout this entire episode, yeah. the, the training of this creature by the Tuscans... Of the Massive? Um, yeah. He was clearly trained not to not to just, you know kill these prisoners but to watch oh, yeah. them yeah he was there watching um, them well that's that the, i said that uh anakin killed two of these they were sitting outside the tent with those other tuscan raiders of where shmi was yeah um yeah so these are definitely their watchdogs but the but the style of training like the hey it looks like you're trying to do something i'm gonna stop you yeah but i'm warning i'm warning i'm warning i'm warning like they know not to just uh, hey, this guy's moving, and I immediately jump and rip his arm off or something like that. Yeah. So, then, Boba Fett, <laughs> I, I, I kind of like that the he's like with the roadie, and he's like, hey, you want me to get you undone and we can run for it? And the roadie and just starts yelling. Yeah! So, Boba Fett, and you can tell the guy is in terrible shape. And I don't mean, like, because he hasn't worked out. I mean, because he hasn't had anything to drink, really. He's been dragged yes. through a desert. He's been covered in acid from head to toe. Um, I'm sure his lungs aren't feeling particularly good at this point. And uh, honestly, he probably has gotten a little over-reliant on his armor. Um, and now all of a sudden, he's out there in what looks like a white Union suit. That's the well, head to and toe. And before that, who shows up first, though, when the Rodian starts freaking out? That little kid. That's the right. Kid shows up. And he flips him down to the ground and raises up the, the staff to hit him and doesn't do it. No. He's like, oh, you're a kid. Doesn't do it. And then leaves. Yeah, he takes off running. The Tuscans follow him. The dog t- you know, knocks him down. And then what looks like the chief and another person step forward. And the other person is there to fight Boba Fett. It looks like that's the chief's right-hand person. And I keep and saying those person. were the two that were dressed... Um, in black. In black. If I had to guess, I would say the chief's son. I, mean, I think it's his wife. Could be or his, his wife? daughter. I think that's a female. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I think we're going to find out that's a female. Because uh, I'm looking at a picture of the image right now, and I'd say definitely got a female kind of shape. Um, now, they intentionally kind of obscure their, their bodies. And with hide their, everything, yeah. Yeah. Well, what I mean is, I think I figure it's it's family, so prince or princess or whatever yeah. designation it gets for for their tribe. Um, it seemed like it was like the you know the one who's supposed to be the the toughest there. Now, well, I'm wondering if it's a, not going to be a Boba Fett love interest. 
That'd be interesting. Yeah, because I, I really, one of the things I'm really hoping for on this show is we finally get to see what the Tuscans look like. Because there's a couple schools of thought on this, is that one is they are a humanoid but alien race. So when they take off their mask, they look very, very different. Now, I think the comic books have shown a Tuscan without a mask on. But another comic book series had the Tuscans as kind of a group of eclectic aliens. And they wear the masks so that they all look the same, even though some of them are humans and some of them aren't. Um, I, so I would love to know what's going on with those masks. Yeah. But it's also why I think that we're going to find out that this Tuscan who he fights right here is a female. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's if she's an attractive female and Boba Fett falls in love with her. Yeah. That's my prediction. You heard it here first. So my my guess here, well, this is what, 30 years before Book of Boba Fett, right? Um, before no, the time seven. period we're in now? Seven. Yeah, it's only, yeah, it's not that, seven. yeah. I'm thinking uh, sequels seven years before. So anyway, this goes back to what you were saying about um, the, the culture of them. Because everything we know about Tusken Raiders really makes it seem like, even though Boba Fett was very weak at this point, um, this fight shouldn't have gone the way that it did. Oh, yes. She or he or whoever beat him down. Yeah. With no um, problem. And it seemed like the this this raider did so with a decent amount of skill. Yeah. But the raiders never seemed like they were, like they would have any kind of individual um, strong fighting style. Uh, like they very much seemed like a group attack, knock them out, move on with your day. Dangerous, but not in this one-on-one. That's never the feeling that I've gotten from Tuscans to have this like one-on-one fighting capability, um, almost their own style oh. of, of martial arts. And, See, I, got, uh, I, I got kind of the actually, actually I've got the, the polar opposite kind of impression of them because they do remind me of the Native Americans who used guerrilla tactics. I mean, heck, they the term guerrilla means little war in Spanish, and it was coined after they met the Native Americans. Um, the uh, anyway, they remind me uh, kind of <clears throat> like when you read the stories. Of their attacks on the settlements, like if you like the novelization of Revenge of the Sith, talks about this a lot um, because of what happened to his uncle, Anakin's uh, you know, stepfather, blah blah blah. Um, but bottom line is, they sound like a combination of Native Americans and the Mongolian horde, and both of those groups extraordinarily good at at hand to hand combat because that was their go to method of fighting. And the Sand People, they have their musket guns, but it seems like their favorite weapon is the gaffy stick, and that's hand-to-hand. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me at all that they'd be really, really good at hand-to-hand combat. Like, I bet that's yeah. all they do from the time they're old enough to walk. As we saw with the little kid who keeps attacking with the stick. Who keeps hitting, right. But, I, you know, it always seemed to me in the past that it was more of a a, a beating to do as necessary, where this... Um, provide some support to to what you were saying. Yeah, I think they And tough. that they actually do train. Um, I think they're a warrior culture. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, bottom line is the way she, he or she, whoever beats him here um, is more than just sand people being good at combat. It also, I think, serves to demonstrate just how weak Boba Fett is at this point. Yes. Like, there's definitely shape. a little bit of that because he was doing 
nothing but just throwing his arm at at the raider. Like there was no yeah, there was no style to anything he was doing and um, getting hit and, a lot. Yeah, and of course that was definitely his weakened state in the style that he was fighting. Um, but it makes you wonder, you know, if he was strong enough still without his armor, if he would have won. I think he would have. Probably. I mean, he's Boba Fett, and he—he he, I mean, he's a trained soldier in his own right. But um, he certainly should have done better than that. But I mean, he's been with almost no water for what appears to be about two days at this point. Yeah. And again, they do a good job of showing how he's his skin is just covered in acid burns. And this is where the film goes super grainy, and then all of a sudden it flashes into focus, and he's back in his back to tank. And Fennec Shand is waking him up and saying, "Hey, boss, we gotta get to work." But the fact that he sleeps in a back-to-tank says a couple things. First of all, it says he's wealthy. Second of all, it says that he's not healthy. Period. Oh, so that's kind of an an interesting... So the Sarlacc experience, I'm guessing, has left him, you know, kind of maimed for life. Even though, it's funny, he looks so much better, you know, six years later than he looked right after the Sarlacc bit. Well, you got to figure for six or seven years he lived, as far as we know, he stayed with or lived with these, these sand people. And that's why I'm thinking he marries or falls in love with the woman and then something tragic happens to that whole sand people clan and he's on his own. And that's when he decides to get his armor back. That's my guess. I've, I've guessed the entire season. But what I mean is he's able to survive with them for six or seven years. Yeah. Without the awesome. tank, you know. He went, yeah. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, if he could have gotten to the back to tank like immediately, maybe he would have been all fine. Yeah. But as it is, he's pretty tore up. And we see that later on in this episode, he gets in a fight. And even though he gets his rear end beat up pretty bad, he seems overly injured to me. Um, And I'm wondering if he, if we're going to find out that he's actually in really bad shape because of what happened to him. But the next scene is absolutely awesome. Well, That's which scene are you talking about? You talking the, about the throne room? Scene? Okay. Well, he hasn't. You skipped him getting ready. Oh yeah, putting on the armor. Yeah, that was cool, and I and love little, that the new undergarment is black. Yep. Nods to the little different pieces and getting yep. the whole thing on. Yep. Um, you know, now my three year old wasn't watching the show with me, and my three year old ran into the room and he goes, "That's a Mandalorian." Um, yeah, so I was pretty excited <laughs> about that. Uh, my daughter and I were trying to think. So, in the Mandalorian, he has his armor entirely repainted and all pretty and new, and that's not too long before the scene. So he's already seen some crazy action in the time he's left Din Djarin and come back to Tatooine because his armor's starting to look beat up again. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice little nod to like. Hey, something's going on. But we go to... Yeah, so they show him putting on his armor. He's got those little helper droids helping him get dressed in his armor, which was a super cool scene, and I'm sure cosplayers will be pausing those scenes over and over again because it gives some really tight details on his armor. Oh, yeah. Um, And the armor is so much a part of his mystique. I mean, it's 90% of his mystique, so, you know, why the fans love him. So it was cool that they, you know, it's Dave Filoni and John Favreau. They know what the fans want to see. And that's one of the things we want to see. And this next scene is something, oh my gosh, there's so many little Easter eggs in this. 
that I love this scene. As a matter of fact, this scene has more Easter eggs than the entire show, the rest of the show put together. So be curious on how much of it you picked up on. So it starts off with he's talking to an Aqualish, and he doesn't understand what the guy's saying. And neither do we, because it just says alien language. And then the Aqualish uh, shows him a big box of uh, coins. And they're like, oh, yeah, thank you. And then Fennec and Boba both admit they don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. They just nod at him knowingly when he shows them. But what I want to ask you, the droid behind him. You notice anything about that guy? Um, He's the one from downstairs in Jabba's Palace, isn't he? Yeah. His, so his name is 8D8. Yeah. So 88. And yep. yes, he is first seen by Star Wars fans in the movie Return of the Jedi. And I've talked about the scene so many times about, well, why do they torture droids? Like, why are droids programmed to feel pain? And who would want to access that programming? What, what sort of, you know, twisted person are you? And it's Jabba's the answer. But you had the one droid whose job it was to, to say, all right, it's your turn to, to get, uh, and his name was like EV-9 or something, or EV-11 or something. It's like evil. The one who's like, uh, you know, be careful, protocol droid or whatever. But then he had another yep. droid whose job it was to pull the handle, to burn the feet of the droid. That's the guy. The guy who pulled the handle is 8D8. But it gets better, Tim. Oh, there's so much I want to say about 88. This is now the 88 fan club, by the way. Do you know who did his voice? Uh, Matt Berry. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so glad you picked up on that. Do you know who Matt Barry is? From, uh... I mean, Jackie Daytona, human bartender. <laughs> He's Laszlo Cravensworth from What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> Which he's been in yeah, a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of stuff, but I love that show so much. Which, by the way, written by Taika Waititi, a name you might be familiar with. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And Taika Waititi uh, still is a producer of the TV series. He did the original mockumentary called What We Do in the Shadows and then, you know, caused the TV series. And every now and then he does guest appearances on the TV series, and I think he's still credited as executive producer. And you've talked about that. I've never watched it. I love it. It's hilarious. And it, it's okay. it's actually fairly clean comedy. Um, yeah, it's hilarious. But um, yeah, Matt Berry is absolutely hilarious in it. So can't recommend that enough. Um, and his character, Laszlo Cravensworth, is hilarious. But yeah, he goes undercover as... Uh, they're vampires, if you don't know what this, the joke is. Um, but he goes undercover as a human. And he's he calls himself Jackie Daytona, human bartender. <laughs> anyway, he's the voice of 88. I love that uh, that Matt Berry's in this. <sighs> but then a guy, another guy comes in, a Trandoshan. Did you notice anything about the Trandoshan? No. Well, there's a couple things about this guy that are very much worth noting. First of all, Doc his Strassi name is his name. Doc Strassi which I don't think we've met him before. Um, but we have seen a lot of stories about the Trandoshans in the Clone Wars. Yeah. And that comes up here because you didn't happen to catch what Doc Strassi's holding, did you? 
yeah. to think about here. Mm. It looks like um, it, it it's oh, it's a Wookiee pelt. Oh yeah, that's right. He's holding a Wookiee pelt, which is a direct nod to the Clone Wars, because they established that young Trandoshans males, in order to, they're a hunting culture. Uh huh. And one of the last things they have to do is kill a worthy adversary, and Wookiees is one of their favorite targets for that. So they would kidnap Wookiees from Kashyyyk and put them on this planet, and they would hunt them. I remember that. And they also would do that with younglings, by the way. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so that was crazy that he came in holding, and they never even reference it. It's just, it's totally for Star Wars nerds like me. Who I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, because the Trandoshans hunt Wookiees. And he's holding a Wookiee. So I was like, maybe Doc Strassi was in one of the Clone Wars episodes, but he's not. So, But I do love that he was holding... Uh, the other thing is, um, Doc Strassi is the first time we hear, um, we hear uh, Boba Fett's new title. He calls yeah. him Daimyo. Daimyo, yep. Which, that's pretty cool. We haven't heard this used in Star Wars outside of Visions. Right. Because what's the, what, what's the origin there? Uh, that's from back in Japan. Yeah, that's the yeah. Japanese nobility. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's really cool that they threw that in there. Instead of calling him you know, Lord Fed all the time, they called him Daimyo. Um, so that's a really, really cool nod to the Kurosawa origins of Star Wars in general. And since The Mandalorian was a great mixture of Kurosawa and, you know, spaghetti westerns, this is a nice little nod to that, that he calls him Daimyo. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says... <laughs> May you never leave, Mos Espa. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Boba Fett's response to that was awesome. Yeah. Trend- Trandoshans, you can't tell if it's a blessing or a curse. Yeah, even when they compliment you, it sounds like a threat. Yeah, that's what he said. So, now I want to talk about 88 again. Yeah, right, let's talk about 88 again. Huh? I said, okay, let's talk about 88 again. Because, so, (laughs) the uh, Trandoshan is the second visitor. The first one was the Aquilish. And they couldn't understand what he's saying, and they're like, we need a protocol droid. So we know 88's not a protocol droid, even though it kind of looks like he could be. Right. His face is creepy. So when my daughter first saw him, she thought... Go ahead. I want to hear who you think he looks like. He looks like the aliens from... uh, Yes. um, uh, I mean, he looks exactly like them. Banking Guild? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Mune's thank you. I was gonna ask you what was Darth Plagueis. Yeah. That's that's what I wanted to bring up. So I remember as a kid being freaked out the first time I saw eighty eight um, in Return of the Jedi, and then my daughter had the same reaction. Yeah, it turns out the Mune's the the species of alien that uh, taught Plagueis. Uh, I mean, Plagueis was immune. Who taught Sidious? He was immune. You do see them in uh, Phantom Menace for a second. You see him in Attack of the Clones for a little bit longer. And yeah, um, this droid looks like him. One of the cool things that was, I don't remember where I was reading it, was in Star Wars, this is a cool attention to detail, that you want robots to look like you, but not go into the uncanny valley. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
So those of you not familiar, the uncanny valley is human beings are automatically un- uncomfortable when something looks human, but not quite human. This is why we're afraid of things like dolls and mannequins and, and clowns even, to be honest with you, because there's something unhuman about the way they look. Um, so you want a robot to look like you, but to still look like a robot. And Star Wars has a nod to this. So like, if you look at Forlom, he looks like... The, C-3PO's body, but an insect head, and he works with insectile-type races. So my guess is 88 started with the Munes. Yeah. And so C-3PO is a model designed to work with humans. I love this little nod to, yeah, they would design droids for different species to make people feel comfortable. Sorry, I'm, I'm just, I'm nerding out tonight. Yeah, yeah, how, how dare you... Nerd, nerd out, out on Star, on Star Wars. Wars. Star Wars <laughs> yeah, I just because 88's in the background that whole time, and you're right, he he has a immune face. And then we get our next, uh, we get our next and final visitor. Mok Shez is supposed to come. He's the mayor of Mos Espa, but that's not who shows up. We don't actually, I don't think, ever find out this guy's name. He just introduces himself as a major domo. And, yeah, um, the mayor's major domo. And... What's his race again? He's a uh, Twi'lek. He's a Twi'lek, yeah. Um, this guy was funny. Did, did you like this guy? Yeah, he gave... Uh, he gave to me a little bit too much of the... Flippant? Not American portraying an American. <laughs> was kind of the feeling that I got from him. He did have a weirdly um, generic American accent. Yeah, like it was that. That was the only thing for me. Like, you know, you see, you see some non-Americans portrayed Americans. You either get the really country, or you get this guy. Yeah, um, get the he was Rick fine, but he wasn't. He wasn't quite formal enough to yeah, be what he was like. He needed a little bit more formality in his speaking to be his as cutthroat as he was. Yeah, I well, he was funny, but it was supposed to be funny that's also intimidating. Right. And I didn't get any intimidation out of him, um, other than he he clearly wasn't scared of Boba Fett. But, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I did find him fascinating, let's put it that way. And I loved his speaking. Like, I loved the things he said. Yes, um, absolutely. He was, was great, great at... Yeah, his the way he spoke in circles and kept bowing, um, and he'd say, "There has been an understandable misunderstanding of our understanding," or and stuff like that. Um, he just had a great way of speaking, like a you know a political mouthpiece who's talking in circles. But to cut to the chase, they were you know the mayor of Mos Espo was supposed to present himself in front of Boba Fett. Instead, sends this clown. And this clown's like, hey, I came instead. The mayor's busy. And they're like, ah, that's fine. You can pay us the tribute. And he's like, yeah, no. You need to pay the mayor tribute. Uh-huh. So, dun-dun-dun. We've established what it looks like is going to be a big point of contention in this season. Yeah. And how I assume uh, I assume the information we get at the beginning of the next season is, is this. Uh, next episode is this. Yeah. Because, uh... Yeah, because then they basically uh, tell um, tell this guy, hey, look, you know what? Here's our tribute for today that we're going to let you live to yeah. go back and tell the mayor that, no, we're the crime boss here. 
And I love when he, and this was, again, a good fine line of being funny, but kind of threatening when Boba Fett said, go back and tell him I'm here. And the guy just goes, oh, he knows you're here. (laughs) I was like, dang, man. Yeah. And he says, I appreciate the, you know, that you're letting me live, but I don't think the mayor will will see (laughs) it the same way as me. Yeah. Very well spoken. Um, And then I would not be surprised if you received another delegation in the future. Yes. So there's a little cutaway as he leaves. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then he says, "Keep an eye on that one." Yeah, and she's Fennec Shan says, "I keep an eye on everyone." Yeah, she does. So the Gamorians are who we met next, and um, I noticed I I expected what we got out of them uh, immediately. Um, I figured that's the route that he was going to go was try to hire them into service. And, yeah, uh, I like the way that went down. I did too. Um, and because they point out that they would not surrender. Um, it's a weird, I don't know who the guard is who brings him in. I can't tell if he's a droid with a weapon, because he looks like a droid, or it might just be uh, someone in an outfit, but anyway, yeah, they bring him in and they make a point of, of saying these guys were super, um, you know, loyal to uh, Jabba and the Bib Fortuna. And he says, hey, will you be loyal to me? And now he's got his two guards. Yep. And him and Finnick don't agree on this. She says, bad feeling about it. Yeah. But he and does decide scene. to spare him. And then we're, we're switching. You ready for the next scene? We're actually yeah. in the town now. Yeah, we're going to see uh, Anakin's old stomping grounds. Um, Was he in Mos Espa? Yeah. I was confused by that. So, one really, really, really cool thing. So, they're walking into Mos Espa. And, um, you know, Fennec is giving uh, Boba Fett a hard time. First of all, 88 gave him a hard time. Because he was like, spare the Gamorreans. And 88 is the one who says, uh, this is Tatooine. That's going to be portrayed as weakness here. And he doesn't really address it then. And then the next scene, he's walking down the street. And Fennec Chan's like, you should be on a, a palanquin. Which is one of those, you know, th- seats that your slaves have to hoist you up on. And you sit in a seat, um, and people carry you through town. Romans used to use them because horses were forbidden in the city of Rome. Tim, did you know that? I did not know that. So they used palanquins. But anyway, and he's like, "No, I'll I'll walk." And uh, they're giving him the speech again about, well, it's this is how you gonna earn these people respect. Well, one meta thing I want to bring up here is as he's walking. There's a woman herding what looks like four robot dog things. I'm like 90% sure those are real. They look exactly like those robots that they're making up at MIT now. That can like run in the woods and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? The military has these now. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that these are real. And they do not look like CGI. If If they're CGI, that is amazing. But I'm like 90 plus percent sure those four robots are real robots, which makes this super cool. And do you see just how big uh, Mos Espa was? Yeah, yeah. I, opening I, shot? I, yep, I was struck by that actually. Because yeah, I'm used to thinking of uh, these Tatooine settlements as being tiny. But yeah. you're right, it's, it's a sprawling city. And they're all inside of this like... 
almost inside of this. Uh, it's like a crater. Hole in the ground, yeah. Yeah. But then the city continues beyond that. Yep. Um, really, really, really cool stuff. It looks like the place where we thought Grieger died in, uh, in Clone Wars. And then it turns out he survived. But anyway, then we go into a cantina so, type yeah. setting, but it's a There's high end. Some junk shops in there. I don't know who owns it anymore. I'm sure yeah. Watto is gone by now, but probably he didn't look his good shop last time is we saw in him. there. Is it? Yeah. <coughs> I didn't recognize it. Yeah, this is. Well, I don't know if we saw it, but this is this is where it's, it's at. in Mos Espa. Gotcha. Yeah. That's what I was trying to look through, <clears throat> but I didn't recognize anything in particular. Um. Which would have been difficult to see. You know. Well, as they're walking in, um, one of the themes that they keep bashing on, Fennec Shan, yet again, she words in a different way. Things would go a lot smoother if you would accept their ways. So this is our second, no, this is our third time that uh, he's been told, hey man, you, you gotta do this like Jabba did. And he keeps not saying it. And I'll summarize this best with the line they showed in the trailer and just a little bit about ruling with respect. But yeah. first we go into a, a, well, the nicest cantina we've seen on uh, on Tatooine. This is actually a pretty decent looking bar. And it, yeah. it looks like it's uh, this um, Cy Snoodles band plan. It looks like the guys from the original cantina, but it's it's know. No, I think it's it's supposed to, I think it's supposed to be Max, Max Rebo's from, from Jabba's. It's Max Rebo's from Jabba, you're right. Because then the lady says that he owns this place now. Yeah. So you're right. This is the Max Rebo band. Nice call. But um, one of the scenes is they do show a protocol droid, and it's got a different type of head on it. Again, going back to what I was saying, I think that they made them customized for each culture. Um, I don't know. There's so many aliens in, in the scene that it'd be hard to parse all that out. I didn't see any of the more famous ones, though, to be honest, other than the, the band members. Uh, the um, more famous... Um... Aliens, like, you mean? Yeah, like we didn't see the 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 I forget what it's called, the devil looking one or the wolf looking ones or. Well, there's the the I don't know. It's like bat ish looking behind the bar. Yeah. Um, but that was really it. Yeah, a lot of them were not. You know, we have the Twilicks, of course, but. A lot of Twilicks, and one of the things that they really point out in this episode, they pointed this out, I think, in Mandalorian in the episode where they're escaping from the prison barge. Um, but in the Clone Wars, they actually show this a lot. The Twi'leks are supposed to be like very beautiful people in general, yes. uh, the men and women. And so at this bar, it looks like all the people that work there are Twi'leks um, because they're they're eye candy, Tim. Well, the Twi'leks were captured and used for jobs. Yeah, for entertainment. And, uh, yeah, and if I had to guess, I'd say um, what was her name, Garza Flip. Is kind of in charge of this place. Oh, uh, the woman that he meets. <laughs> yeah, also a Twilik. Um, but also a they Twi'lek was they likely... take his helmet before that. That's significant when he walks yeah, in the well, bar. I was just, they... I'm just talking about the. I'm just talking about what's Twilik's in general right now. Wow. Um, you know, it seems like that was a person who probably was a servant of Java's, and you know, earned favor and showed herself to be smart enough to be able to work. You know, with the Twilix who were who were being made to work in this place, um, beyond that, 
is my yeah. guess. I think so. I think their relationship could be interesting because she seems canny. She seems smart. Her name's Garza. Garza Flip, yeah. Garza Flip, yeah. So yeah, she. It is funny. They're kind of little code here where they're like, "Can we take your helmet and have them polished?" And he's like, "Sure." And Finnick's like, "No," but they take hers anyway. Offer yeah. to wash the Gamorians, <laughs> and he says, "We're not going to be here long enough for that." Um. So bottom line is he's just there to say, "Look, I'm, I killed uh, Bib Fortuna. I'm in charge now. I took over Jabba's stuff." And she seems pretty, you know, what else? And you to gonna ensure do? you that your business will be able to run as it has under my watchful eye. Yeah, yeah. So and she she also points out the thing about well, I didn't know it was you. You didn't come on a on a litter or a palanquin or whatever they called it. Yeah. Um, and he said, "I came on my own two feet." And she made some comment about, okay, well, that's interesting. Uh, she says, well, that's why I didn't notice or something. Once again, kind of pointing out he, he's different. Yeah. And then they bring back their helmets. She refers to their bar as a little slice of paradise, which I also think is significant since Tatooine in general seems very hellish. Um, and then what's in his helmet? A bunch of gold. Yeah, bunch there's of a bunch of, bunch of coins in there. And Fennec yeah. says, yours is a lot shinier than mine now, which was pretty funny. Yeah, I like that a lot. And now they're walking out on the streets. Yeah. He's talking about he can't keep uh, yeah, they Jabba's... They need ships to keep Jabba's territory intact. Yeah. I find that fascinating, too, because we know from the comic books and from like novelization that... Tatooine is just a very small part. It's basically the hideout for Jabba, and his empire really is galactic. It, it's it's huge. Um, yeah. yeah. So this this is kind of interest. There, this should go way beyond Tatooine. My guess is he just needs to secure his power base on Tatooine and his income sources, like the mayor. Dun dun dun. But you so have to he, watch out for ninjas. Well, yeah, because ninjas are everywhere. But, you know, if you're going to get attacked by ninjas, it helps to have Ming not away with you. Yeah, and Gamorreans. But this is where uh, he makes the comment, Jabba ruled by fear. I intend to rule with respect. Yes. So we finally get his answer to why he's doing all this stuff different from Jabba. And, of course, this is an ironic time for him to say it. Yeah, it is. Because he gets attacked by ninjas. Yeah. And he gets robbed, too. Um, so immediately, he goes for his flamethrower first, but they've got these shields, and it knocks the flames back into his face. And, well, I uh, want to... I, I do... Yeah, so he gets ambushed and attacked, him and Fennec. I did like Fennec's response, though, when he said, I intend to, to rule through respect. And she said sometimes fear is, is, is faster or something like is that. Is a surer bet. Is a surer bet. Um there's a certain pragmatism to that, I think, in the crime world. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting. So I think that they kind of balance each other pretty well. But yeah, this is... So now the ninjas come out. I don't think we've ever seen these guys before, have we? No, we haven't. So these um, are like and red And i one problem ninjas. with their fighting style, which I'll go into in a second. Yeah, but like you say, he drops his helmet and the Jawas, of course, steal all the coins out of it. Yeah, and some other people too, but I don't think they steal his helmet. I think we still see it kind of rolling around during the fight. Yeah, he um, keeps his helmet. Well, we don't ever see it again. Like, he doesn't pick it up in the episode. I thought the Gamorreans did, actually. 
but I could Maybe. be remembering it wrong. But but yeah, they're they're kind of out of luck because these guys got them hemmed in with these energy shields and are just poking them with like cattle prods basically, and yeah. they're losing. It's not going so, well. The two big things with this, um, the Gamorians show up and attack. Yeah, but where were they? Yeah, that's a good question because they were right behind them, and then all of a sudden the ninjas attack and they're not there for about like thirty seconds or more. Yeah, and when they attack, when the first Gamorian attacks, the very first guy releases his shield and turns to the Gamorian without his shield. Yeah. Um, I Bad thought that form. was strange, and then a bunch of them like stopped using their shields. Yeah. As a regular well, thing, like. They, they rolled their flank, Tim. The Gamorians rolled their flank because they could right. either present their shields to the Gamorians or to Finnick, and not both. So, so every time they, they turned them off, yeah, which was weird. That's so all. That then, was, that's probably the only thing. That's that's the big piece of this episode that I thought was a little strange was the fighting in this when the shields just went away. They were like, oh, we can't use them if we can't use them together. It's like, yeah. And here That's we see uh, Boba Fett once again gets kind of beaten up pretty bad here. Now he's fighting he multiple does. opponents, and I did love that he he took that one guy out with a rocket blast off his gauntlet. Oh, right at the end when they were fleeing. That was yes. <laughs> they start running away, and one of them's climbing the wall, and he just aims his gauntlet at it. It blows up, and there's just a hole in the wall. There's like no body, nothing. No, just a hole in the wall. Guy. And that's where Finnick Shan climbs up. He's right next to it. Yeah, and he says, alive. And uh, I looked at my daughter and I said, doesn't that guy sound like Rex? He does. Um, he so it was Finnick uh, versus two. Got a little too parkour here for me. Um, yeah, I thought that this was a little extended, um, which could have been to show the agility of Finnick Shand. At least yeah. I took this, make sure that we know that she's not just a... Um, a faraway sniper assassin. And the ninjas. She is a a skilled um, fighter and martial artist herself. Yep. So that was, especially the second time I watched it, I was like, man, this thing seems kind of drawn out. But I think yeah. it's to show her. I don't think it's to show them. I think it's to show her and that she can keep up with these guys, take them by surprise, and win. Yep. I and it does end with her fighting. The, yeah. Yeah, she fights both of them and, you know, basically easily defeats both of them and takes one of them hostage. So I did have that brief moment where I was like, all right, we're, we're jumping a little bit too much, guys. Um, but like I said, I think it was it was for her more than anything else. So, yeah, the uh, meanwhile, Boba Fett... Like I like I said, the way she killed one of them. By knocking him off the building? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But Boba's not doing well, man. He um he tells the the Gamorreans to take him back to his back to tank, and they literally have to drag him in there and throw him in. Yeah, now um, he got hit hard. He that got hit one, hard a few times. Well, that one jab with the electric thing, he got to the side where he has no armor. Yeah, um, which was just you know. Well, there shirt was that. There was and, he was holding he, it at one point. He had two guys hit him simultaneously at one point. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he definitely took a pretty severe beating, but of course, once he's in the back to tank, it's back to flashback time, and he's yes. back to when he was. Uh, so the little kid Tuscan, um, yeah, <laughs> it shows him he's tied to the to the post again out in the, the exposed desert, 
and his tormentor, the little kid Tuscan, takes him, the little dog thing, and the and the road rodent rodian for a walk. Yeah, we should go for a walk. Where now, one of the cool room? things in the scene says so that now to make things smart, they chained uh, Boba Fett up to the to the rodian. I I guarantee this was on accident, and they left it in there. The Rodian steps on the chain, and it causes uh, Tamora Morrison to fall down. And I think they were like, "Oh, that's awesome! Leave it in." Yeah, because that totally looked like a like a real life accident. Like, I, and I love that. It's a little detail that I'm like, "That's because that would be a pain to be chained to somebody walking across a desert." But then they see smoke on the horizon. Yeah, so things on Tatooine are the same the as ever. Moisture farm. Yeah, looks a lot like Aunt Beru's Uncle um, Owens. The, the, so they were getting attacked by someone, and I couldn't quite make out the species. Um, they're human. Attacking them? They're human. They're just wearing helmets. You can tell they're human, though. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at a screenshot right now. Yeah, they're they're definitely human. I still don't think so. I'm looking at it too. And no, like not I human. just watched him beat the guy to death with a club. And now he's tagging the wall. Look at the guy next to him. Oh, you're right. They're not human. I don't know what those are. But they tag the wall with some sort of gang symbol that I think is also going to be significant. So they kill the homesteader. Two feet point away from each other, or the letters JL, or two axes, or I don't know what the symbol is. Um. So for whatever reason, the little boy Tuscan, or whoever the little guy is, wanted them to see that, and then they start heading back. Yeah. Well, this is going to be some rival gang. Right? Yeah, probably some rival a crime thing. unit that he needs to, to squash. You know, he's going to say, hey, if you want to do this stuff around here, it passes through me. And they're going to say no, and he's going to destroy them. Um, is my guess for whatever this this. Um, yeah. Now I'm going to call them the Justice League because of their little JL huh. symbol. Um, there you go. And now we find out how the Tuscans stay alive. Yeah. Because the boy takes him to a spot, and he's like, dig. And now we don't understand him. The Tuscans' language isn't translated, and they just do their weird squeaks and and screeching and stuff. But it is really kind of interesting. They they dig, and there are these little pods full of fluid under the surface. And yeah, it's something funny. that grows in the desert, um, almost like a, like a cactus would, but it grows, I guess, entirely... Under the sand? Yeah, well, in the in the Dune books, they have something called the sand trout that kind of do something like this. They they pull all the moisture into one little spot and surround it yeah. so it can't spread out. And that's what this reminded me of was the, the sand trout from Dune. And that's where they get their water from. The only problem is apparently a lot of stuff uh, just kind of lays under the surface of the sand. Yeah, the, sun, the suns are hot. Yeah. Right? So they have to find ways to get away from the two suns. And uh, that's another way. So first he argues here um, with the roadie in a bit about while he's digging for the water. Yeah. You know, you could we could have both been gone. We could, yeah. We could have gotten out of here. And we he still can. If you run with me now, we can still go. And he says Slima and Pudu, which are two words we heard in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Which means slime and, and poop. Right. And then he basically... Uh, so... Boba does find water, and the kid takes it from him and gives it to the dog creature. 
the massive dun well, I think dun, he dun. only sort of gave it to the dog. He really just dumped it upside down <laughs> and the dog was on the way. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> And then uh, the kid decides to take a nap with his dog while the uh, they continue to dig for water, and that's when our rodent friend. That's actually when they had their conversation. But our rodent right. friend finds something. Yeah, creature from the sandy lagoon. Yeah, what did you think about this bad guy? I actually liked it a lot. Did you? Um, I I didn't. It was a little bit. So the only thing with me in this particular creature is it seemed to active yeah for a creature hibernating under the sand it seemed very strong and agile and like it would just run into the city and just go after whatever it wanted yeah so i assume it's carnivorous it doesn't need to wait for prey yeah it's it looks like it looks like a creature out of the movie clash of the titans like the original 1980 movie except for with better animation but yeah, so it it immediately starts to do a major beat. This thing's got to be about twenty feet tall, and you know it's got four arms and two legs and a tail, and it, it I mean it just takes it to that rodian. The dog tries to get in there; he has no better luck. But because the rodian and Boba Fett are chained together, Boba Fett's all mixed up in this fight. He's just yeah, hanging he's upside down him. the whole time. Yep. But then we do see, and this was cool, the Tusker <coughs> kid attacked the beast and, like, tried to stab it. When he could have just left. But first, hmm? first we get brilliant Boba Fett. Yeah, he throws the chain around the uh, the crazy thing's arms, which yep, causes him it, to cast them off. When he breaks the chains. Yeah. So That's that when was, he gets separated from the Rodian, yeah. Yep. And then um, the, but yeah, the, while he's hanging there, what, what causes him to throw him away is when... The kid saves him. Yeah, yeah, and the kid didn't have to. So yeah. that that was pretty significant. The, the kid was just being brave, period. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Stabbed the kid had any foot. feelings about Boba Fett at all. I think he's just a warrior. He's just a little kid who thinks he's a warrior. Um, but And that ends up saving Boba Fett's life, probably saves both their lives, but not you know couldn't have done it on his own because the kid's about to get killed, and Boba Fett jumps on him and pulls a Princess <laughs> Leia... Yeah, I like that symmetry that he uses his chains of bondage to choke the creature to death, and then he just raises the chain up and shows it to the kid, and they they have an understanding now. The kid's excited. <laughs> I love that next scene. He's running, and he really does seem like a little kid. He's running with the head of this creature, and doing his little. And uh, Boba Fett is now walking, and he's carrying his chains as opposed to, you know... With the massive beside him. And the stick. Um, yeah. So that was cool. So my daughter pointed this out. They don't translate the Tuscan for us. They do not. So we don't know what the, the kid is saying. We sort of do. And he's just showing this head to everyone. He's not gesturing to Boba Fett at all. So this what do you think he's saying? This is my favorite thing. This is my favorite part of this overall. I'm glad so you one of the big, too. one of the big gestures that he does, because we're, we're getting most of our Tuscan language through the gestures. Yep. He clearly says that they choked the thing out. Yep. But he shows it with his stick. Stick. Yep. He shows yep. it with a stick that he choked it out, and then everyone kind of... Kind of claps him on the back and celebrates yep. the child, um, which I and thought was really, really, really great because 
He was yeah. taking full credit for destroying this monster. Yeah, he was. This and thing attacked a... us, and I killed it, and everybody's like, that's great, that's great, that's great. Except... Well, yes, before you say the except, and then they show Boba Fett, and when they show, they, they show the kid acting like he's choking something, and they show Boba Fett, and his face just kind of drops like, what the heck, man? <laughs> like, really? Um, yeah. And then, but yeah, then what's the except? All the all the, the Tuscans the are cheering the kid. Just kind of yeah. sidesteps into the shot next to Boba Fett. Yep. No, no, doesn't look at him, doesn't say anything, but hands him a drink. Hands him yeah. one of those, those liquid pods. The sign of drink. respect. Yeah. Um, because I know that this child would be dead. I know yeah. that you did this. Obviously, yep. this child didn't destroy the thing whose head is. Yeah, this, this <laughs> terrible the kid. creature. They just called um, it sand monster, I think, in the or sand creature. Sand creature, the, yeah, 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 <coughs> yeah. And so, yeah, and that's our closing shot: is the uh, is the chief of this clan handing uh, Boba Fett a uh, a gourd of water? Which and I thought that been... was that was huge. Um, that was actually yeah. in all of this show. I think that that was my favorite scene. Yeah. Um, when he hands him that drink, because it it gives a clear understanding, um, you know, and a, a yeah, presence of this... mind to that Tuscan, to that particular Tuscan, yep. a wisdom to that particular Tuscan, um, yep. which I liked. And it's it goes back to what you were saying. You know, we're supposed to see them as as more of a culture, because um, all we know is is that, you know. When they're mean, they're, they're very mean. I slaughtered mean. them like animals. Yeah. Right? Like, that's that's all we know. We know they're dangerous. We know that they took Shmi for, you know, as far as we know, no reason. And that's it. That's all the information we have about them. Yep. Uh, and uh, I find them extraordinarily fascinating. So I love this, this setup. I'm extremely happy about the, uh, yeah, the, the potential here. So, yeah, this was an amazing episode. Um, like I said, I, I can't wait to see more. Now, like the show The Mandalorian, they show the concept art afterwards. Yeah. A couple things missing that was in the concept art that wasn't in the episode. One is they show Boba Fett with his, uh, and what looks like an armor room. Um, and it has, he has one of those big disintegration looking type, actually it looks more like a Tuscan musket and a gaffy stick and then his armor, you know, thus showing, as we already know, apparently he does adopt Tuscan, uh, culture at some point. Cause when we meet him in the Mandalorian, he's basically made up more like a Tuscan than he is like a Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else from the, um concept art oh the concept art did have one of those devil looking guys i can never remember that species the ninja uh, shields were blue instead of red yeah that's that's in the concept art they were blue yeah anything else from the concept art so we don't know who the ninjas are are they from the mayor that'd be my guess That'd be my guess as well. Um, they didn't seem like they were from the rival, you know, we don't know if it's a rival gang, but whatever that gang is that was attacking that moisture farm. Yeah. Um, they. That was significant, though. They didn't put that in there by accident. Right. But I, I well, that's what I'm saying. I think that they're going to be the first, like, prime group that stands up to Boba that's like, we don't have to serve under you. We have, we have no reason to serve under you. You're nothing. 
and he just squashes them. Um, so I think that's going to be their significance. But I don't think that they're part of the ninja group. I think the ninjas must have come from the mayor. Yeah. Um, the mayor is ready to take control of a city where, you know, a crime syndicate's been in charge the whole time. Yeah. Um, and so I think that they were like, hey, take him out. A couple more uh, just kind of nitpicking things interesting, I think, uh, in the concept art. The uh, Tuscan Raiders are wearing their tan robes like they are in the New Hope. Uh, whereas in the show, they're wearing uh, mostly black robes, showing that they look like a, a different tribe or nation than anything we've met before. Um, also, in the concept art, when uh, Boba Fett, it is a sweet picture, by the way. It'd be, be a cool wallpaper, actually, for the computer. Um, there's, a, there's a painting <coughs> of him sitting on, his, on the throne. Mm-hmm. He's wearing the gray jumpsuit that looks like he's got like one of those combs and the pocket on his shin. <laughs> I love that. I have, I have that action figure out actually in the hall, the original Kenner one from way back. And it, it does look like almost like a comb and a pocket on the front of his shin. Anyway, um, it, there's also the head of C-3PO sitting there. I don't know if that's the C-3PO or just another you know, protocol. protocol I noticed that too. Uh, is uh, that the one that that, was... uh, that Jabba destroyed way back in the day? Could be. Remember that Bib Fortuna mentions that that Jabba destroyed one. Um, it's kind of like what you said. He may be able to go down and find a head if he can get it to power. Everything that he needs from a protocol droid is in the head. That would be hilarious if he did just because it's sitting on a plate beside his throne. Yeah, if he floor. just went and grabbed yeah. the head, he's like, he doesn't need it to walk around or hold anything. It's just yeah. to translate. Tell me what that guy said. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all I got for this episode. Uh, speculation on what's coming. I guess we've kind of been doing that the whole time. So yeah, yeah I, I think uh, my biggest thing is I think we're gonna I think we're gonna find out that it was the mayor. Yeah. Um. Now there is, you know, we had things hinted about other groups. Um in the trailers we don't know anything about the groups or who's who's doing anything but the fact that these guys were sent purely as an assassination um my guess is is someone like the mayor yeah i think because it wasn't someone who wants to show their power it was someone that just wanted him to be killed yep um is is why i would assume mayor yeah I think you're right, and they kept one of the guys to be uh, to be questioned. So we got two timelines, two storylines. Uh, we got six years ago when he got out of the Sarlacc pit. So I think you're right that he's going to be important in fighting this rival gang, and he's going to earn his chops among the Tuscan Raiders. And then in the present time, yeah, establishing himself in Jabba's empire. I really want to oh. see that one move past <coughs> Montespa, though, because Jabba really did have a huge... You know, his empire went all the way from Nalhada. What is that place called? Yeah, Nalhada to to you know all across the outer rim, and both the empire and the separatists and everyone had to deal with uh, Hut's empire, with Java's yeah. empire specifically. So, this ain't a small Marvel thing talk. he's trying to do. Hmm. Marvel talk, not really Marvel talk. But Are we Marvel doing Marvel talk, talk now? Not not exactly. Um, this episode and the style of flashback yeah i love when shows and movies have a reason for flashback um let me, let me rephrase that a a written into the story 
reason that we're seeing the flashbacks. Yeah. They're not just there to tell us the story. They're there because he's having the dreams again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love that it was a natural part of the story and not just something for us to see. Well, not surprisingly, John Favreau wrote this really well. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. It's huge. I'm excited. The next episode is coming out next Wednesday. So, yeah. And there's, what, six episodes in all? I think seven. Seven would be even better than six. Um, have they even said whether or not this is a limited release or... Are they planning on making you know more than one season? Hopefully they are. I don't know. I don't know. Well, hopefully it'll be awesome, and the people will demand another season. Oh, um, Barry. Uh, what was the guy's name? It was eighty-eight. Matt Barry. Matt Barry. Guess who else he worked with? In addition to Taika Waititi, he worked with a guy. Um, it was on What We Do in the Shadows. The guy did a guest cameo. He also was the voice of the Joker in the animated series. It sounds like Mark Hamill. It was Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill was in What We Do in the Shadows. So, AD8. I'm so glad that Matt Berry was in there. Because he's one of my favorite... Uh, he, he's a, a very funny guy in What We Do in the Shadows. So, it's good to hear his voice. And AD8 is such an odd droid. And I love that they brought him back. Yeah, <laughs> there's kind of there's probably all kinds of stuff in. Uh... Oh, I wonder Malakali's still around. You remember him? I love when I know random characters and you're like, "Who's that?" <clears throat> Malakali was the guy who was crying when the Rancor got killed. Oh, okay. That's Malakali. Mm. Poor guy. He lost his Rancor because of that mean Jedi. Yeah, he did. So not a Jedi yet. Hmm. Alright, well next week we're going to be doing a recap of episode 2, chapter 2 of the of the Book of Boba Fett. Um, I don't think I have any more. Do you got any more? That's it for me. We never talked about the last episode of Hawkeye. But... I was trying to remember if we did or not. It was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. <sighs> well, but we can go back to it. Yeah, we'll have to go back to it. We're we're pretty. We've been pretty long winded tonight. Well, I have. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, overall, I definitely love this, and I am still very very excited. Um, this was also nice timing because we had Christmas, and then usually I kind of fall into a funk because it's like Christmas is over, but there's so much like you know crappy weather before it gets nice again. But then I had Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. So far, it's great. I'm really yeah. excited about the skull. There like, you I, go. I'm just, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm back into Star Wars again. Like, I know that sounds funny because I'm always excited about Star Wars, but like, I'm really excited uh, to see what we do next with this. I'm having the same, I'm having the same phenomena. I'm, I'm going back and watching the movies and listening to the <laughs> novels. Um, yeah, then. Yeah, Book of Boba Fett, definitely. All right, um, that's all I got. Unless you got something, that's that's all I got. All right, well then, this has been our our certain, certain point, point of, of view. view. I'm Jim. I'm Tim, 
And this, oh, I did that backwards. All right. <laughs> well, the force, may the force be with you, everybody. And Happy Always. New Year, by the way. Yeah. This happy is New our Year. last podcast of the of the year, 2021. And it's episode 99. So now we're going to start the new year with our official 100th episode. Absolutely. So stick around for that. Again, as always, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your frenemies, tell your parents, tell their parents, tell their kids, tell your kids, whatever. Um, give us a good review somewhere. Say, hey, man, check out this podcast, Our Certain Point of View. That's Not us. my certain point of view. Not it's ours. A certain point of view. But our certain point of view. Um, except no alternatives. Um that's it. All right. This is the way. We have spoken. Say, say, say goodbye, Tim. Goodbye, okay. Tim. <laughs> Never gets old. Bye-bye. Audio one.